MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, May 8th, 2020. Today, Trump asked the Supreme Court to stay the order to hand over the Mueller grand jury materials. Trump abandons the CDC's strategy to reopen as FEMA privately warns the states are still experiencing shortages of PPE. Richard Burr's family also sold off stock prior to the COVID crash. Trump installs an RNC donor as postmaster general. Dem lawmakers demand intelligence on coronavirus origins. The Department of Justice released a less redacted Rosenstein memo defining the scope of the Mueller probe. Republican Ken Buck ordered an election official to falsify voting results. The military is requiring a medical waiver for those who were hospitalized for COVID. Trump's valet has tested positive for COVID. A woman who accused Fauci of sexual assault admits Trump's supporters, namely Jacob Wool, paid her to do so. And the Department of Justice files a motion to dismiss the charges against General Michael Flynn. I'm your host, AG, and with me today is Jordan Coburn. Hello. I'm out of breath. We're done. I can't talk anymore. I know. I was I, I was going to say, slow news day, huh? Yeah. Holy majoli. It's a very special. Today is a very special Daily Beans. Today on a very special Daily Beans, Mrs. Huxtable finds a joint in Theo's math book right after uh, Willis Drummond gets caught smoking cigarettes that he got from uh, Jesse Spano, who's been taking diet pills she got from Will Smith during his dad's visits after going to Hawaii with the Brady Bunch. It's a very special Daily Beans. That was amazing. I, I understood about 50% of those references. <laughs> I th- I'm thinking people my age will get them all. Um, I got the Saved by the Bell one. I was really into that. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah. I, I did leave out a few um, after school specials, ABC after school specials, but those are pretty obscure. Um, Anyhow, it's going to be a packed show. I have an interview with Natasha Bertrand. We're going to go over Democratic lawmakers demanding the intelligence that Pompeo says there's enormous amounts of that the coronavirus came from a lab in Wuhan, which it it didn't. Uh, And then, of course, I will be talking to 25-year-plus former federal prosecutor from the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office, which is where Michael Flynn's case is or was. uh, still is for the time being. Uh, And I, I have a pretty substantial interview with him. And there are silver linings. So I want you to hear it. I don't want you to be totally uh, out of it, uh, you know, out of uh, faith in the system yet. If the Supreme Court goes against all the Trump tax cases, maybe we can start talking about moving to New Zealand. But we're still hanging on. Uh, And we've got some really we got some good positive thoughts um, from a very angry AG and Glenn Kirshner, by the way. And um, and then we have all these friggin' headlines we have to get to. It's absolutely bananas, and it's your birthday, Jordan. Yay! Hi. Happy birthday. Thank you. Woohoo! Woohoo! Yay! 27. Time to die. You <laughs> you turn 27 the day the rule of law dies yes. in the United States of America. Yes, exactly. Thank you, though. <laughs> I'm very happy to be alive, truly. And uh, I love birthdays. Luckily, our family always facilitated birthdays as a very exciting and happy experience. So I embody that today. And thank you for celebrating with me. Good. I do love birthdays as well. Um, And I, uh, you'll have, I think you'll have a good weekend. So 
uh, with that, we do have a lot of news. Let's see what we're, what we've got coming up. I just want to make sure I've got everything in here. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, oh, Postmaster General. You're not covering Postmaster General, are you? Mm-mm. Nope. Yeah. Okay, well, just real quick. Trump installed a RNC, the, the top finance guy, donor for the Republican National Committee as the new Postmaster General. I'm sure he's just trying to privatize it and or get his hands on mail-in ballots, but... That's really, really scary. He's probably also going to raise shipping rates on Amazon. Just so watch, watch that. Watch out for that. So that sucks. But what do you have for us, Jordan? Hot notes. Yes, I have a few different stories. Um, More stories than normal. So I'm going to go through them a little bit quicker than usual. Forgive me. But the first story is about hydrochloroquine. That's that anti-malaria drug that we know Trump was peddling. And there was just increasing evidence that he stood to profit from that peddling in some way and so now there are studies coming out that say that drug actually doesn't appear to help COVID-19 patients really any more than any of the people that were not receiving the patients this is coming out of a study from a New York City hospital and it's one of the largest studies that's been done on it so far so uh, apparently Mm -hmm. um, what they're seeing this is a direct quote from Neil Schluger he's the hospital's chief of pulmonary 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 and critical care someone told me on twitter every time oh god i have to find the direct quote it was something about every time i mispronounce words it makes them uh let me see here i just got to get it right so that everybody it makes them smile no no it makes them smile no it says i feel pain when you say words wrong oh <laughs> gosh so oh. silly Anyways, it, it's wrongly, by the way, embrace the adverb. Okay, I felt some pain right there. <laughs> um, but uh, well, now I just want to now I just want to mispronounce all the words. I know. I'm just kidding. No, I don't no. want to put I don't want to put anybody through pain. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, just a joke, making fun of myself. I do mispronounce yeah. words a lot. Uh, but but <laughs> but yes, essentially, this is this is coming out of uh, this hospital that that's seen and done so many different you know trials and and they've mm-hmm. experienced really no difference in what the outcomes are of that treatment and so neil schluger he said patients who received the drug didn't fare any better than patients who didn't our strong feeling is the drug should not be routinely administered to patients with covid19 he's one of the study's authors mm. uh neil schluger so there's some sort of a closing chapter you know bookend on that end be nice it would be nice hopefully in terms of data this is a peer-reviewed study and the previous studies that came out of brazil had 80 so 80 or so patients and then there was another study at the va that had 100 148 patients this study had over 1400 so it's a much more substantial sample size it's been peer-reviewed and it's not even um you know, within a margin of error, no significant difference. There's no significant difference. So um, the end there is not even uh, a consideration. So right. it's done. It should be over. It, you're right. But it's probably not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I agree. It's It depends. Well, I guess we'll see if people keep trying to push that. But as of now, it seems pointless and and I hope that people are actually reading the news and they can, you know, especially the people like I said, there are people who are very privileged and are able to go and procure this medicine on their own, you know, for even folks like that or or maybe 
yeah, I don't know if there there's other scenarios in which you could procure that kind of medicine, and I just hope that people have read this. You could probably drive to... No, you can't. The border's closed. I would say you could probably drive to Mexico and get it. But yeah, anybody listening, anyone listening, and tell your family, hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine are more dangerous than not. Yes. And they do not help. They do not help at all. So... Hopefully, hopefully everybody will hear that. Totally. And if you Google it, there's anecdotes from people that have taken it and have experienced a deep amount of regret from the effects that they believe they experienced from that drug. So 100% the conclusion is not that it is a good idea to take it. So even if you're not down to jump on the train of, you know, everybody shunning it, at least understand that it's not there's zero conclusive data that shows that it helps. Uh, the The next story that I have is coming out of uh, CDC news. So a CDC official confirmed to CNN yesterday, or today actually, that, or we know, yesterday, we're Thursday, hello, um, that it was clear that the White House is just not going to heed their 17-page draft recommendation for reopening the country uh, after the White House itself asked for that recommendation. And apparently the reason that the White House gave for not accepting this recommendation from the CDC was that the plan was, quote, overly prescriptive, unquote, because guidance in rural Tennessee shouldn't be the same guidance for urban New York City. Uh, And they said that the recommendations didn't fit the phases that had already been outlined by the task force. So, Mm. (laughs) yeah. Um, they took the opportunity to emphasize that the reopening, the White House did, took the opportunity to emphasize that the opening, the reopening is a governor-led effort, and uh, McEnany said that the president has said that governors make the decisions as to move forward, and we encourage them to follow our phased approach, which, as we know, because we don't forget history, uh, is not the tune <laughs> that he had before. And now that it's more convenient for him to say governors can do whatever they want to do, now now he says, yeah, go ahead and do that. But if it's a liberal governor that's wanting to follow something that's more in line with the CDC, you know, then he'll come out saying some shit like, I make all the rules. Now that it's coming out that that's, that's not gonna, you know, some governors have different opinions than others, now he's siding with those governors that want to do it in a way that's antithetical to what the CDC wants to do and other medical experts, really, and is saying the governor should decide. So that's what's going on there. Hmm. Yes. Hmm, indeed. <laughs> the, uh, I, I mean, like you said, like no state has even met any of these criteria. It's, it's bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Really, for me, is like, I think one of the most dangerous things that's happening currently, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, is the lack of consistency in messaging. And this is just like another example of that, which is very frustrating. For me, it is it is so paramount that we find some sort of avenue through which people of all sides can get on the same side and get behind. And the more that these kinds of headlines start to come out, continue to come out, I should say, it's just more and more indicative that we're incredibly far away from that. And that's just probably the most disappointing thing, honestly, coming out of this whole crisis response right now for me. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would tend to agree. Yeah, totally. 
Um, the next headline, uh, Trump's valet has tested positive. So when we say valet in this sense, it's not what you think of in general when you think of like a valet person. Uh, this is a member of the U.S. Navy and they're like, you know, very experienced and qualified people and they hold a lot more of a role than you would think that word sort of lends itself to kind of like an executive assistant like totally it's, it's not yeah it's not a it's not a car parker it's a um, yes yeah a valet i don't know why they call them valets um as a matter of fact just probably tradition um mm-hmm. but yeah 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 exactly they're responsible for like so many different things from everything from you know bringing the president their food and beverage uh, and but then also traveling with them when they're on the road and out of the country and they've kind of apparently sort of come to be known as confidants of the president because they're just people that are around the president a lot basically and so by that nature they have a much deeper relationship than some random dude obviously that's gonna park your car or lady at a restaurant mm-hmm. but this <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah it, this guy tested positive and so now there's obviously a lot of questions surrounding whether or not Trump and the people that are around that valley have contracted COVID-19 and they've gotten tested when I say they I mean Trump and Pence I think has also gotten tested since this news came out and they say that it's come back negative and Mm. you know they were saying Mm. they're getting tested every week and now after this they're saying they're going to get tested every day Mm. but even still even though Trump says we have the best tests in the world that's a direct quote Mm. uh we we (laughs) still we still have so many false tests and he could we have so many false words coming out of his fucking face he could just be lying like (laughs) you know yeah uh i mean okay granted that you know everyone's reporting that he got tested after the valet was tested but here we have a bunch of people running around their white house without masks because it's not manly and it makes you look weak and trump is a fucking wispy fragile ego maniacal bat shit crazy fuck face and they're just walking like oh we're just going around the white house without like like just stop with your fucking toxic masculinity micro peen problems and fucking wear a mask mask up bro although i will say this i have never once and you've known me years now mm-hmm. uh, on this show i've never once wished anybody harm or illness or anything i'm always no. like now wait now wait you know yes uh like when boris johnson caught uh covid i was like this isn't something to celebrate but i'll tell you fucking what when i heard his valet when trump's valet had tested positive for coronavirus i got a little like oh god what if he has it like <laughs> uh, like excitement yeah. and i'm just gonna go out and come out ahead and say it that i fucking would not be uh overly sad if he contracted coronavirus i know i'm gonna get shit for that um but if i think about how many people have died because of him the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one yeah spock taught me that yeah and i'm not i'm not going back on that live long and prosper yeah y'all not trump (laughs) yeah i'm so mad today i'm sorry i'm so no 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 it's totally okay i don't even get an angry energy from you i just get like a very enlivened and uh (laughs) like a like a arrow into a bullseye energy you know (laughs) like a a more of a lively discussion from ag yes exactly (laughs) but no i totally agree and it's it's also like obviously you know it kind of annoys me sometimes when i see the reporting even from cnn that's like you know 
basically they're suggesting that it's very possible that he's contracted it and they're kind of like pussyfooting, sorry to use that term, but pussyfooting around, you know, this accusation that Trump definitely has it and is like lying about it or something. That's kind of the tone that I get sometimes from the way that they repo- mm-hmm. like, report mm-hmm. this stuff. And, and just obviously, I don't hope that he has it. Like that doesn't really... That, that's that's not really the point. The point is that he's just lying. Like, he's constantly lying. And this is just another mm-hmm. opportunity for him to just blatantly lie and defy, you know, the scientific facts that would suggest if you're around someone in such close quarters that has it, you're very, very, very likely to contract it. Like, it's very, it, it's, it's yeah. very hard to believe that you wouldn't and so when he's meeting this news with this attitude of obstinance and stuff it's just that's the part that's unsettling if you get tested and you test negative if you were just like oh shit this guy that's really close to me has it i should get tested that would just be so much more reasonable than how he comes out against Mm. it which is like he's some sort of impervious kind of like superhero jesus which is what he wants people to believe and that's why it pisses me off yeah, and fuck him anyway, because he wants to, what, draft my mom into some sort of conscripted warrior army against coronavirus that she might <laughs> die so that the economy's okay? Yeah. Fuck you. I've already been in the military. I don't want to go. I don't want to be a warrior for your fucking cause, mm-hmm. bro. I, like, just eat shit. Go away. Resign. God, please just fucking resign. Right. Oh, Sorry. But I know for him to address it appropriately would require him to, you know, just express some sort of humility in the face of the tone that he sort of approached this with so far. And we know that we're not going to get that from him. And that that's that's what's frustrating. It's not that he's not getting sick which I think is kind of like the tone that can come off sometimes when, you know, the media is like accusatory of him. The real messaging to me is like, this guy has denied that this is a problem and the fact that someone that is so close to him has it and he he sort of, you know, seemingly continues to just not even address the fact that it's a real issue is what's frustrating. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. And then my final story. It's my favorite story. I'm so glad that it's last. We got Jacob Wool back in the news, everybody. <laughs> You know Jacob Wool. He's the basement dweller. Uh, <laughs> He's the guy. Yeah. Um. He um tried to pay our friend who's been on the pod, Jennifer Taub, who's a professor, tried to pay her money to get her to say that Mueller had sexually assaulted her or harassed her back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh he has all these press conferences in his mom's driveway. Uh, he started that fake consulting company that used fake photos of models. Um, and he comes comes out with that guy, Jackman, who always has his fly down in these press conferences. I don't know why. Uh, I, f- I feel like it's some sort of like it's like he's trying to say something. Uh, about his masculinity with that move. Uh, but yeah, Jacob Wool, and I have to tell you, Jordan, I'm so glad you're covering this because when I saw the headline, um, you know, it was from Raw Story and it just says Trump supporters paid a woman to say that she was sexually assaulted by Dr. Fauci. And I was like, oh, it's like what Jacob Wool does. And then I open up the and fucking... Was. Uh, why, <laughs> why they don't put his name in the headline, I don't know because this is his jam, isn't it? 
Oh my god. Yes. This is his favorite thing to do is use his mom's allowance money to pay people off. <laughs> to fucking I just imagine his mom being like, Jacob, I told you your allowance was for bread and eggs only. I don't want now we have <laughs> Tell no your eggs. friend to zip up his pants. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> But, but but yeah, he tried to pay somebody off to to make a false claim about uh, against Fauci. So he just hmm. just continues the trend of picking people that are, you know, against Trump and and trying trying to get them to allege uh, sexual assault allegations against them. But it keeps backfiring on him because these people keep going to the press and keep like hurting on him yeah. <laughs> so yeah this lady's like this motherfucker tried to pay me to say this mm-hmm. like yes you suck at, at, at recruiting fucking honeypots dude you suck yes and he apparently tried to go after the same person to make false claims against an unnamed celebrity so he he dipped his hand into the same pot and now uh he's just once again uh, just looks like a fucking idiot and it's and he tried to say that he had that army guy or that ex-marine who now works for a escort service that did like bdsm stuff with elizabeth warren remember right. that that was yes, fun exactly yeah he had allegations against robert Mueller, uh Buttigieg, and warren and others so that's just like how come he's not in jail? How is he not in jail? I know that's a question for <sighs> yeah. me. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I know he's under investigation um, for his false claims uh, made in the past, and that takes a while uh, in California. But, you know, I, it's just this is unbelievable and so sad. And just another example of how uh, GOP operatives can weaponize the Me Too movement against us and, and why... You know, I honestly think that um, Believe All Women might have been promoted by folks who want who wanted to exploit it later because, you know, that's using I don't know. It just seems like a reflexive measure to me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, logically, of course, if there's any kind of weapon that exists, regardless of who it's against, people are going to see how they can weaponize it. That's that's just like uh-huh. like you would be naive to think that that's not a consequence of that. So, yeah. Yeah. So I I agree. And, and I think um, especially with someone like Jacob Wool, where there's instance after instance after instance where there's different people that are being accused and like multiple people that are coming forward saying this same guy tried to pay me to say this. You would think that <laughs> would warrant an investigation, especially that, you know? I think I think he is under investigation. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, well, he's a fucking loser. But that's my, those are my hot notes. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for those updates. Um, what a wild news day. Uh, we will be right back uh, with the big news of the day regarding Michael Flynn. And we have an interview with former federal prosecutor Glenn Kirshner about the silver linings. You don't want to miss it. Uh, it is a, it's one of the, it's a, it's a watershed moment. So stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's AG here for the Daily Beans. Due to the global pandemic of the COVID-19 virus, the job market has been uncertain for the past couple of months. And none of us really know what the future will hold. 
We're all in uncharted waters, and as a small business ourselves here at The Daily Beans, we understand what employees and employers are going through right now. Employees are worried about their job still being there or having to find a new one, while employers are concerned about their business surviving and hoping that both customers and employees return. In an effort to dissuade fears and provide some assistance and comfort in these crazy times, we'd like to relay the following message from our sponsor, ZipRecruiter. Right now, we cannot be overwhelmed. We have to work to keep our loved ones safe and protect our communities. We have to work to stay strong, to stay connected, to stay focused. We have to work to inspire, to innovate, and to build new solutions. But for all this to work, we have to work together. At ZipRecruiter, we connect employers and people every day. But today is different. We're partnering with first responders, government officials, the medical community, the innovators, and the manufacturing, transportation, and food distribution industries to make sure we are finding the right people for the right jobs right now. Let's work together. ZipRecruiter.com slash work together. All right, everybody. Uh, joining me today because uh, I have to d- discuss this today. I cannot wait until Sunday's Muller She Wrote show. Uh, this is, to me, the big news. I keep getting tweets of people saying, oh, you're being distracted from what's really going on. This isn't a distraction. This is the fucking story. And joining me today to talk about it is former federal prosecutor, 25 plus years, I think, at D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office, Glenn Kirshner. Glenn, thanks for speaking with me today. Hey, thanks for having me. If I had hair, it would be on fire. <laughs> we can. I, I have a wig you can borrow if you just feel like going through the motions. Um, so as everyone I'm sure who listens to my podcast, our podcasts, has heard by now, um, it, as a matter of fact, Glenn, I, I just made a, a one-line post in our Facebook group, you know, Oh my fucking God, I think is what I said. And I didn't have to say anything else. And everyone knew what I was talking about today. And that is the Department of Justice. Tim Shea, uh, I should say, uh, on behalf of the Department of Justice, has filed a motion to dismiss the charge against Michael Flynn, saying, sure, he lied, but he didn't lie materially with respect to a matter under investigation. Uh, Quote, government has concluded that... The interview of Mr. Flynn was untethered to and unjustified by the FBI's counterintelligence investigation into Mr. Flynn, a no longer justifiably predicated investigation that the FBI had, in the Bureau's own words, prepared to close because it had yielded an absence of any derogatory information, unquote. So basically what they're saying is lying to the FBI isn't enough of a crime. You have to be lying about something material to an investigation that's happening into you that's relevant. And the the DOJ here is saying that the, the FBI was found really they were about to close the counterintelligence investigation. There was absence of derogatory information. They even quote Jim Comey in this filing saying Jim Comey said, this is a close one. This is a close one uh, to get their point across. What say you about this dismissal? Yeah, please don't listen to those purdy words that they tried to put into that phony legal document justifying Donald Trump, Bill Barr's and Tim Shea's corruption cronyism and favoritism don't buy any of it because what what mike flynn did after talking with the russians about sanctions which he had no business doing he then lied to the vice president of the united states about it as donald trump acknowledged in his tweet 
And I believe the vice president also acknowledged when it happened. And then he lied to the FBI about it. What that does is that compromises not only Mike Flynn, but our entire national security because he was the national security advisor lying to the vice president about enormously consequential national security matters. Do not buy into, you know, that legal, that faux legal document that was signed trying to justify why they were moving to dismiss Mike Flynn's knowing voluntary and intelligent guilty plea is a bunch of hogwash. It's corruption, plain and simple. And I even I'm loath to say the Department of Justice moved to dismiss the case. Donald Trump moved to dismiss this case for corrupt reasons, period. And what do you uh, what do you take? But normally when I see these documents, there's four or five signatories on there. Uh, I think Van Grack withdrew in a very terse one statement, one line statement to the court. No one else has signed this document besides Timothy Shea. And I was wondering what that what does that say to you? So, yeah, Timothy Shea is a Bill Barr acolyte or more accurately now lackey. And Bill Barr, we know, is a Donald Trump acolyte and lackey. So here's what that means when no prosecutors assigned to the case would would actually put their names on this motion to dismiss. This is the third time this has happened. It happened in the census case when the government was flip-flopping positions like crazy trying to appease Donald Trump. The prosecutors all withdrew from the case because they were not going to do something they perceived was improper or unethical. Yeah, and they were doing damage to themselves in the eyes of the court, too, by not being candid, right? So I, I, I remember that from that uh, weekend uh, conference call with the judge where the judge is like, WTF, everybody, and they're like, we don't even know, bro, and we're sorry. We, you know, we're really sorry about this. We thought we had it, and they, they felt very abandoned by their own department, it felt like. And, and you know what? Can I speak up for the 110 or 115,000 Department of Justice employees because I was one of them for almost a quarter of a century? We don't do things that are unethical or they're going to make us look like idiots in front of the court because, you know, we're not going to walk in there and just parrot some line by the president if we know it's unlawful or if we know it's unethical or if we know it's not supported by any sort of law or precedent. We're not going to look like fools. The only thing we have left to do in those circumstances is remove ourselves from the case, withdraw from the case and say, we will have no part of this dirty deal, this drug deal, which has been said before. So the census prosecutors, the team had to walk off that case. The Roger Stone prosecutors had to all walk off the case and one resigned from government altogether when Bill Barr swooped in to try to tell the, uh, the prosecution, hey, you got to go easy on Roger Stone, Donald Trump's friend. The three prosecutors said, we're not doing that. It's not ethical. We're out. Now, here we have it happening a third time when the only name on today's motion to dismiss the Flynn case is the U.S. attorney, Tim Shea, not a single line prosecutor. And I know some of them who were assigned to the Flynn case apparently were willing to sign it. This is this is corruption. And it's there's no legal basis for any of this. It's all cronyism and corruption. Mm. Now, Van Grack went on to be appointed head of the new FARA violations unit at the department. 
And we all know, I think, one of the crimes that was sort of forgiven uh, in exchange for his cooperation, for Flynn's cooperation, was that he failed to register as an agent uh, for Turkey. Uh, and he was going to be a, a cooperating witness in, in his business partner's case, who was also who was charged with FARA violations of Turkey, that Bijan Rafikian or Bijan Kian. And Van Grack is the FARA guy now. Question for you on the statute of limitations. Uh, is it five years for a FARA violation? I don't know exactly for a fair violation. What I will say is the overwhelming majority of federal crimes uh, carry a five-year statute of limitations. So, yeah. But you know what? Let's see what Van Grack's shelf life is after he walked off the case today. What do you mean by shelf life? Before he speaks out or quits? I mean, I mean, let's see if somebody retaliates against him, if Trump and Barr retaliate against him for doing the right thing, standing up and mm. apparently walking off this case rather than agreeing that Flynn's knowing voluntary and intelligent guilty plea ought to be Shit canned. And when do you just go on the record and just spill it all? <laughs> Honestly. You know, uh, that's uh, a great question, because we all know if you're a whistleblower, then, you know, you're, you've committed treason and you know what we do to, to people like that, according to Donald Trump. So, you know what? I wish more people would stand up and speak out. I hope they do moving forward, but I'm not optimistic because we haven't seen much of it. But I also know it's a hard decision because people are literally putting themselves and their families in harm's way if they cross Trump. Yeah, that is very true. Um, I, I think back to the guy who, from the Rand Corporation, who leaked the Pentagon Papers. I believe he went to prison. No. Um, but, yeah, it's um, not an easy decision. No, uh, it can't be, and there's no guarantee of what happens in November, especially if you're in the department and you know what Russia's up to and you know how much the cheating is happening. Uh, you, you can't, I, I, you know, might not uh, have every confidence in the election uh, in November, but um, it, it, something else that came up in this document, um, they are saying that the FBI never told Flynn uh, that lying to them was a crime and that he also never really solidly lied. He mostly said, I do not recall, um, et cetera, even though on the phone with Andy McCabe uh, beforehand, he said, you guys record all these conversations anyway, you know, you know. Uh, and there are tapes of these conversations, mind you. Uh, they were going to be released by Sullivan, but then there was a quick meeting DOJ behind the scenes uh, with the Mueller team, and they're like, no, no, no. And and so that that sort of just got dropped immediately. Um, so here we are. Uh, I don't, I, I, this, I think it, that just goes back to the don't believe all the bullshit you read in this document type of a situation. No, it's, it's not a legal document. It's a propaganda piece, pure and simple. It's, you know, it's no different than, us being told that chocolate rations are up after the government has cut our chocolate rations, a la George Orwell's 1984. You know, truth isn't truth. Truth is not truth to these people. This is, um, this, for some reason, this seems bigger to me than the stone or the census or this seems more brazen to me. Is it, is it, is it? It, it, it is um, because, you know, all of it, whether it's Manafort or Stone or Flynn, it involves um, contacts with, you know, whether it's uh, WikiLeaks or Russia or Ukraine, you know, the kind of contacts that potentially compromise our country. Um, now, Flynn, I think, is the most dangerous and damaging because, you know, the National Security Advisor to the president, for gosh sakes, lying about contacting 
the Russians and talking about sanctions. And I mean, what in the world, unless we had, you know, an army or a military general who had sort of covertly defected to Russia and was now going to misdirect our troops. I mean, that is an analogy that I think in a very real way sort of characterizes the danger that Mike Flynn posed. And, you know, the fact that he's, he's not going to be held accountable for it now, although let's put a pin in that because I think we're going to talk about Judge Sullivan's, mm-hmm. op- Judge Sullivan's options in a minute. Mm-hmm. But not only, you know, assuming the case does get dismissed, I predict you're going to see Donald Trump invite Flynn back into the administration in some capacity. Oh, my God. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, wow. That, that I would feel so much safer uh, knowing a compromised... Uh, not just compromised by Russians knowing that he lied, but uh, Turkey knows, and uh, and who the hell else? Um, I'm sure the Five Eyes are in on it. But uh, now, let's—I'm the eternal optimist, right? Today, I'm just like, oh my fucking god! Like, I today is is a hard day uh, for me. However. I am the eternal optimist, and I know that it's Judge Sullivan. And this is a motion to dismiss. This isn't a we get to dismiss by. You can't do that without leave of court. Can you tell us what that is? Sure. Um, And, you know, there is an enormous black cloud hanging over our country at the moment as a result of this. But there is this faint silver lining that I can see. And. That is, when the government files a motion to dismiss a case, the government cannot unilaterally just say, you know, and therefore the case is dismissed. It is a motion that goes to the judge, and the judge has to decide whether to grant the motion to dismiss or deny the motion to dismiss. Because right now, the posture of the case is it's pending sentencing. Uh, 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 Mike Flynn pled guilty under oath and affirmed it a number of times, his guilt of the crime, uh, in Judge Sullivan's courtroom. And it's Judge Sullivan's case, right? It is in his hands, in his jurisdiction right now. So, and and what I will say is having litigated in front of Judge Sullivan when I was a federal prosecutor in D.C., he is, I'm going to say, one of the best people in the country to be handling this case right now because the man... First of all, he's a, he's a lion and something of a legend in D.C. criminal justice circles. He, in, if there's one thing that he cannot tolerate, it's government governmental misconduct. Mm. And I know firsthand because he called my office to the carpet a number of times in the years I was an AUSA in D.C. when he got even a whiff that the government might be playing some kind of games. Well, this isn't the government playing games. This is just rampant government corruption in you know broad daylight. He is going to want answers at a minimum. So here's what he can do. He can order a, an evidentiary hearing on the government's motion to dismiss. He can demand that prosecutors, he can even demand that Bill Barr take the stand and be placed under oath and testify about, you know, the decision to do this and whether it is a, whether it's justifiable, whether it's righteous, whether it's, you know, the right thing for the criminal justice system to do this. And, you know, he can deny the motion. And if he denies the motion, he will then say, let's go to sentencing. Now, inevitably, there will be an interlocutory appeal, an appeal before the case is over to resolve whether he correctly denied the motion to dismiss. 
But if anybody is going to boldly move to protect the integrity of the criminal justice system and our country in a very real sense, it's Judge Sullivan. So I'm hopeful that he will deny the motion, order an evidentiary hearing and air some of this stuff out. Hmm. Um, in uh, in his sort of determination to to do right to do the right thing and to do justice. Yeah, and a couple of things. I mean, the Department of Justice knows Sullivan has to dismiss this case because they've said in their filing, "Hey, I, we just want to remind you that the court has never just not dismissed a case if if the prosecutors have asked for it. We just want to remind you of that." And he also doesn't take kindly. Sullivan doesn't take kindly to. Uh, leniency because someone was a general or in the military, if we remember from uh, his uh, ruling in the Petraeus case, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. And it's not even leniency for being a general. Sullivan will appropriately hold somebody to a higher standard if they are a general, particularly on matters of criminal, you know, violation of national security matters. So, you know, they... And here's the thing. I love when people say you can't do this because it's never been done before. (laughs) There's something called precedent. And you know how we make precedent? Doing something for the first time. If if we never did something for the first time, there would be no precedent on any legal matter. And I'm telling you, Sullivan is the guy to do it. I'm not saying he's going to do it. Let's assume he goes the other way. Let's assume that at the end of the day, he decides to grant the motion to dismiss and the case is over. Here's the other little bit of silver lining that's lurking behind this enormous black cloud. He will dismiss the case without prejudice. Yes. All that means is the case is dismissed for the time being. And come January, when we have a law abiding president and a law enforcing attorney general, boy, one of the first cases that will need to be brought is the criminal case against Michael Flynn. And Flynn lied, I think it was in January of 2017 to the FBI. So that. Plenty of time. Five that, year statute of limitations. We got till what, 2022? Yeah. Yep. We have a year. We have a year. All right. Well, it sounds like if there's anyone, any judge in this country that's our last best hope um, for something, uh, at least a dismissal without prejudice, is that correct? Without prejudice? Without prejudice, yeah. Then, the, only, the only reason to dismiss something with prejudice is when, you know, the government has been involved in misconduct that is detrimental to the defendant's rights. Mm-hmm. This government, this attorney general, is involved in misconduct that is benefiting the defendant's rights. And that is something in my 30 years as a prosecutor I don't think I've ever seen before. All right. Well, thank you for <laughs> thanks for discussing this with me today. And thanks for uh, that little bit of um, silver linings at the end. Uh, I look forward to. Uh, I mean, what, what, what's the timeline on this, do you think? I mean, this motion was just filed. I'm assuming uh, no one's going to file a counter motion since everybody dropped off the case that was a prosecutor's with the, with the DOJ. So what what's next is just Sullivan pop a minute order in and say, yeah, Flynn, well, Flynn's lawyers will probably file an, uh, a reply to the government's motion to dismiss either joining in the motion or, you know, it's, this sounds a little bit idiotic, but not opposing the motion. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're going to want to keep their heads down because they're already, you know, like way ahead in the game. 
And then I predict uh, Judge Sullivan will set some sort of a hearing. Um, probably, I, I'm completely guessing now because COVID is making things a little bit challenging on the calendaring front, but, you know, probably within the next few weeks. Okay. All right. Because I know uh, Walton's hearing is still June 18th for the unredacted Mueller report. I'm assuming Sullivan has not only seen the entire unredacted Mueller report, but a lot of other uh, evidence um, that's not in the Mueller report that we aren't privy to. I think he has, because I was in the courtroom on the, the first go-round when he tried to sentence Flynn. <laughs> and it was clear that Judge Sullivan was privy to information that we didn't have because he just went off on Flynn. He said, you know, sir, you arguably sold out your country. He pointed over his right-hand shoulder to the flag that stands in his courtroom, and he said, you have dishonored everything that this flag stands for. And, and you know, frankly, sir, I'd like to know why you weren't charged with treason. So, listen, <laughs> Sullivan knows a whole lot more than we know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, well, thanks again for for taking the time to talk with me, talking me off, talking me off the ledge there. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, everybody, um, former federal prosecutor Glenn Kirshner, where can they find you? So on Twitter, Glenn Kirshner, too. And then I have a YouTube channel where I'm trying to, you know, post a crime a day. It's hard to keep up with the Trump administration, but uh, it's just under my name, Glenn Kirshner. And I'll be posting something tonight about the the Flynn debacle. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, All right, everybody, stick around. Uh, We've got more show coming up right after this. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this Helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by Helix Sleep. There are a lot of reasons why many of us are having difficulty getting a good night's rest right now. Could be stress, could be politics, news, COVID, guilty conscience, pandemics. Uh, But night after night, if you find yourself having difficulty falling asleep or restlessly tossing and turning, I highly recommend checking out Helix Sleep. The problem could be your mattress. I did, uh, and I discovered my trouble sleeping came from a very common cause— having not just a crappy mattress, but the wrong mattress for the way I sleep. There is nobody on the planet like you. Why would you buy a generic mattress built for everyone else? So what Helix Sleep does, they customize the mattress to fit you in the way you sleep the best. Whether you're a side sleeper, which I am, or a hot sleeper, or you sleep cooler, I'm a hot sleeper, or if you like plush or firm, I like real soft. Uh, With Helix, there's no more confusion, no more compromising on an average mattress. Helix Sleep matches your body uh, and your sleep type to your preferences and the perfect mattress for you. So just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans, take your two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best night's sleep of your life, I swear. It's seriously the best mattress I've ever had. Uh, Everybody here at the pod swears by this mattress. It is the best. Helix Sleep was awarded number one best overall mattress, not just by us, but by... Uh, GQ in 2019 and Wired Magazine, and they have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. That's 100 sleeps. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will, I swear. Helix is offering now up to $125 off all mattress orders for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $125 off. All right, everybody, welcome back. It is time to fly under the radar with me for some of the headlines you may have missed Um, The Trump administration, as expected, has asked the Supreme Court for a stay to temporarily block the Department of Justice from handing over the Mueller grand jury materials to the House pending an appeal. This is one of the big five cases uh, up for SCOTUS uh, with Trump. We've got the McGahn subpoena. We've got the Mueller grand jury materials. uh, And then we've got uh, Mazar's, um, two Mazar's cases and a Deutsche Bank case um, and a Partridge and a Pear Tree. No. Uh, and they've combined um, the the Mazar's and Deutsche Bank House cases into one, and that's going to be heard, oral arguments on the phone, May 12th. And then, of course, 
we have the Mueller grand jury materials, which at two to one, they dismissed for judiciability. We've talked about that a lot. And then they said they want an en banc hearing. Um, and then, oh, wait, no, that is McGahn. Sorry, that's McGahn. That, <laughs> back up, rewind. So the two to one that wasn't justiciable was the McGahn subpoena. And so they're waiting to hear that on bonk, waiting to hear that in front of the full panel. The Mueller grand jury materials, uh, they decided that um, the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals said, no, you have to hand it over um, in, in a two to one decision, I believe. And um, DOJ was like, uh-oh. And so they had until May 11th to either file a stay with the Supreme – well, at first they tried to file a stay with the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals said, no, you no, we're not giving you a stay, and you have till May 11th to file a stay with the Supreme Court. And that's where we are here. Today they did that. We expected the Department of Justice to do that. They're asking the Supreme Court for a stay. I have beans on them granting that stay. They've granted every stay in these cases with the president. I don't think that one is warranted. Um, however, I think they will grant that stay. We will soon know. Um, so that's going on. That's what's going on with that case. And Richard Burr, who we know dumped a grip of stock uh, after a you know that classified Senate briefing that he received on coronavirus in January, and he dumped a stock, and then boom, market crashes, and he saved himself hundreds of thousands of dollars in losses. And now we're learning one of his family members. Uh, did the same thing. And that is sort of raising eyebrows into could this be in insider trading? Um, so I think this, you know, this is from ProPublica and his brother-in-law um, basically sold between $100,000 and $280,000 worth of stock. Uh, Burr is currently under federal investigation over whether he traded on non-public information, um, gathering, uh, you know, uh, um, gathered through his work in the Senate, that, that top-secret intelligence COVID briefing in January. Uh, but like they say, Burr was not the only member of his family to sell off a significant portion of his stock holdings uh, ahead of the market crash. He did it in February. Uh, on the same day Burr sold, his brother-in-law dumped tens of thousands of dollars worth of shares, and the market fell by about 30% the next month, in the subsequent month. Uh, his name is Gerald Fouth. Um, he, he has uh, a post on the National Me uh, Mediation Board. Um, and like I said, he sold between one hundred and two hundred eighty thousand dollars uh, of shares in six companies, including several that have been hit particularly hard uh, in the market and uh, the economic downturn following uh, coronavirus. So that's interesting. Uh, and a person who picked up Fouth's phone on Wednesday hung up when asked if Fouth and Burr had discussed the sale in advance. So that looks good, right? So you call for comment. And you're like, hey, Fouth. Fouthy, uh, did you, you sold your stock on the same day. Um, did you discuss that sale with Richard Burr, the senator who, you know, had a top secret briefing on the upcoming pandemic and you just hang up. So that's pretty cool. Um, Trump in 2017 appointed Fouth to a three-person board, the National uh, Mediation Board. That's a federal agency that facilitates labor management relations within the nation's railroad and airline industries. Uh, he was previously a lobbyist and a president of his own transportation economic consulting firm. So, whoopsie, whoopsie doodle. We'll hear more about that, I'm sure. Uh, let's see, what else is going on in the headlines here today? The Department of Justice has released a less redacted version of the August 2nd memo written by Rod Rosenstein that defined the scope of the Mueller probe. We've gone over this memo a bunch, um, at least a previous, more heavily redacted version there's still a big old giant redacted part about an investigation into someone. 
But this one does reveal that they were looking into Paige and Papadopoulos uh, and Flynn and Manafort. Uh, so uh, take a look at that if you get a chance. I'll go over it in detail this weekend on the Mueller She Wrote episode. Um, and we'll get into that. I have This is a very special episode today. I have to save time. I have to fly through these headlines because we have so much going on um, with the Flynn investigation uh, being dropped, the charges being not the investigation, the charges being dropped, and and of course, um, you know, which I just spoke to to Kirshner about, and that took up a giant chunk of this episode. So I'm flying through these, but I will be picking all this up on the weekend shows. So uh, you know, I promise. Uh, and he, he, there's another cool thing that happened today. Do you remember Ken Buck? He's the Colorado rep that got the surprise of his life when he asked Robert Mueller last July during testimony whether the president could be prosecuted after he left office, to which Mueller promptly said yes. And he's like, wait, so you're telling me the president could be prosecuted after he leaves office? Yes. And everyone went, whoa, clutched their pearls. It was so fun. Uh, at least it was fun for me. Well, Ken Buck is in a bit of hot water. Apparently, in a Colorado race, you you have to get 30% of the vote in the primary to move on to the general, and somebody only got 24%. And so Ken Buck told one of the uh, election workers to put that person, uh, you know, certify and sign that that person has qualified. And the guy's like, I'm not lying. He didn't, he by law has to have 30% to move forward. And he's like, you need to sign that. And the dude's like, I'm not going to, you're telling me that I, you want me to commit a misdemeanor by signing my name to this thing saying this guy got 30% of the vote when he only got 24%. And he's like, yeah, sign it. So people are looking into that too. Of course, we do not have a federal election commission, although these are state primaries. So I'm not really sure how, because um, Ken Buck, while he's a, he, he's a U.S. representative in Congress, he works for the state Republican Party in Colorado. So this is a not a federal election. So I don't think the Federal Election Commission would oversee that. Even if they did, there's not a quorum, as we know, Weintraub, and there's only one other or two other people on there. You need to have four to investigate anything. Um, and I don't know what jurisdiction this would fall under, but we will keep our eyes uh, on that story for you. But Ken Buck... What a dick. Um, and the military is now requiring a waiver for anyone who wants to join up that has been hospitalized previously for coronavirus. I got a lot of people asking me about this, worried about, I think mostly worried about discrimination. Uh, and I just want to tell you, I don't think that that's what's going on here. I think uh, I they are very, very good doctors and people in, in the medical health service and defense health agency at the Department of Defense. I know them. Uh, I've worked with them. And I, what's happening here is they don't know what long-term effects coronavirus can have on people. And they don't want to put people in harm's way um, who might have weakened immune systems, weakened lungs, weakened kidneys. We don't know sort of what this does. And if you bring somebody in the military, which is a you know a physical job, uh, and they're out guarding oil wells that catch on fire, and they don't have the strength in the lungs to be able to withstand that, you run into problems. Even when you do have strength in the lungs to be able to withstand that, you run into problems. And so this is really, honestly, just a, a cautionary measure. Plus, you don't want anyone, obviously, who has COVID-19 to be sent to basic training because you'll be in close proximity with 100 other people. Uh, immediately, and then thousands uh, in in 
semi close proximity, but you know, a hundred in your barracks for boot camp for basic training. So, and then if you're in the Navy, you're on a ship and that's close quarters. So I think they really just want to wait and see like what sort of long-term health effects this has. I think it's, I think it's on the up and up. I don't think that they're using this to discriminate. Vol- Military is a totally voluntary force uh, anyway. Um, so they they change the regulations to get in all the time. They change the weight regulations. They change um, the height regulations. They say, you know, you have to have a certain score on your entrance exam. If they really need people, like right after 9-11, they'll drop it down to you only need to get 15. Um, and if it's a, a full voluntary force and they don't want to encourage people to join maybe at that moment, then they might up it to 20 or 30. Uh, this is at their discretion. Uh, I don't think there's anything untoward going on here, but that is happening. And from Politico, Dem lawmakers are demanding answers from the Trump administration. And joining me today to discuss this is the author of the story and national security correspondent for Politico, Natasha Bertrand. Natasha, thanks for speaking with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so... Uh, you you had a story in Politico. Uh, Democratic lawmakers are demanding the intelligence um, from assertions from the Trump administration that COVID-19 somehow emerged from a laboratory in Wuhan, China. And I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about Trump and Pompeo's belief here or what they've said uh, about any evidence. Uh, and, and we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, so the president was asked last week um, whether he had seen evidence that would suggest that the virus originated in this lab in Wuhan, and he replied, yes, I have. But he, of course, did not expand on that. He said he's not allowed to tell us um, how he knows that. And Mike Pompeo similarly told NBC or ABC News on Sunday that there's enormous and significant amount of evidence that this came from the lab in Wuhan. Um, But, of course, that's in kind of direct contradiction to what the intel community said on in a statement last week um basically that they're still investigating whether or not it passed from an animal to a human naturally or whether it did in fact come from this lab um it's become a political um touch point obviously there really should not be this much emphasis on whether the virus came from this lab in wuhan i mean according to experts just because The thing that matters the most is that it came from a bat and that ultimately we need to be studying the transmission from animal to human in that sense. Um, But obviously the administration right now is really looking for um, someone very, you know, tangible to blame for the extent of this outbreak. Yeah, it was reported last week that the Senate Republican Senatorial Campaign Commission or some some shit, you know, sent out a memo. Uh, to Republican candidates for the election saying, you know, don't blame Trump, pivot, blame China, blah, blah, blah. So it's kind of their whole it's kind of their whole deal. And so, you know, for to be able to say, you know, oh, there's enormous evidence. Uh, I can't tell you about it, um, but it exists would seem to be their, you know, their go to playbook here. But so now which Democratic lawmakers are are reaching out um, for this? What committee are they from? Yeah, so it's really um, the House Foreign Affairs Committee has been pushing hard um, for the administration to release any cables and information that they have that are related to the Wuhan Wuhan Institute of Virology, which is the the long name basically for the lab um, that this virus is, you know, is presumed by the administration to come out of. Um, And it's also been, you know, Senator Chris Murphy, who is reading the intelligence and saying, look, 
we have not seen any evidence that this did come from a lab. So why is the administration saying this? Why aren't we focusing on the broader issue of trying to find the real origins of this? And, you know, other Democrats who say, like the Senate Intel Committee, uh, Mark Warner, who says, we really want any and all information that the administration has because we need to be able to analyze every piece of intelligence um, and hopefully get that to the public in the long term as well. Um, so it's people, it's lawmakers from from different areas. And, you know, I think when, when, we, when we spoke to them, what they all had in common was this, this idea that if, you know, if, if it did come from the lab, then the U.S. is kind of partly to blame for that because we were funding the lab for about six years. Um, so if there were lax safety practices there and if we were giving money to this lab, you know, even though there were State Department cables warning that it might not be a good idea, uh, you know, it's really kind of counterproductive for the U.S. to be pointing fingers at this point. Um, but again, there are a lot of Republicans that have really begun leaning into the anti-China messaging because there's not a lot of positive things that can be said about this administration's response to the COVID outbreak. Yeah, true. And, uh, you know, of course, the the Dem lawmakers are saying, on, you know, on one hand, we just need to see the intelligence. You say you have it. It's enormous. We need to see it because we need to know where to look and where to study and how to not have this be a problem again. But also they're saying at the same time, look, China is not blameless here. Um, and I think that's an important aspect to this story that you that you included, because I know when I spoke to Frank Fogluzzi, he talked about a China trap that the Republicans could be setting for Democrats by saying, you know, if you're you're either, you know, if you're with China, you're against us. You're either with China or against China. And, and there can be no middle ground. So I think that's a very important aspect that they're saying, you know, look, China's not blameless here, but we just need the facts. Right. And another thing that they emphasize and that people I've spoken to who have seen the intelligence emphasize is that there's no smoking gun that they've seen that would rule out the lab theory either. There's nothing that they've seen one way or the other about, you know, a definitive answer as to the origins of this thing. Um, but but they see another darker agenda in the way that the administration has been really quick to point to Wuhan um, just as a whole as really the origin of the outbreak and, of course, as the lab, uh, to the lab as, as the, the epicenter of it. Um, so so that's where they're coming from. And Republicans who we reached out to wouldn't comment. I mean, when we asked them whether they want to see the, the intel that the administration or, should I say, Trump and Pompeo were touting about this lab theory, they either didn't respond um, or they declined to comment, um, with the exception of Rand Paul, who declined to divulge his conversations with the administration, but did say that he's an ongoing talks and he's been satisfied by the answers that they've given him. Um, but but yeah, so so far, the only pressure we're really seeing on this is from from the Dems. And it's really unlikely, I think, that they're going to get anything tangible because it seems as though Mike Pompeo is starting to slowly kind of walk away from the definitive, um, you know, characterization that he gave to ABC News about, you know, how this is kind of at, at this point, there's all of the evidence points to the lab theory. He is kind of leaving open the possibility that maybe he's just analyzing the intelligence differently from other people. Um, so it, the bottom line is that we probably will never actually know where this thing came from. And it'll probably just be what Dr. Fauci told National Geographic, which is it came, it came from a bat. It was animal to human transmission 
whether or not it was a lab in a lab or in a wet market or in the wild. So that's where we need to focus our attention. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, you, you talk about Pompeo muddying the water. What, what was it he said today um, to reporters? Was it? Rep- so he was asked whether it was productive to claim that there was direct evidence to support the Wuhan lab theory. Um, if the evidence right now is merely circumstantial. And he said, look, one man's direct is another man's circumstantial. So that's kind of the new alternative facts, I think. Yeah, that's not real. That's not, <laughs> that's um, precisely like we have entire, our entire justice system is set up to make that not the case. <laughs> okay. It really doesn't make sense. And I think, you know, he was asked uh, uh, last week during another interview whether he thought that the virus was man-made. Um, and he kind of fumbled that response as well and had to walk that back because, of course, the entire intel community has said that it concurs with scientists that this was not man-made, and in other words, to be a bioweapon. Um, so it, it seems like he's been struggling to kind of keep up with the White House's demand for strong anti-China messaging in this moment, and they're looking for a very you know, specific target to put all of their blame on at this moment. It almost feels like this is sort of a a Trump said that in the moment I've seen evidence and then had to go make that real. Um, That just has happened so many times. And you specifically mentioned Trump and Pompeo. Are other members of the administration on board with this theory? Like uh, anybody from the Pentagon or other officials, or is it pretty much just those two? At this point, it really just seems to be those two. Um, We've seen a few leaks to Fox News um, saying that the weight of the evidence points to the lab theory, but no other credible like mainstream outlets have reported that from what we've seen. And given our conversations um, with people in the administration, they all agree that while the lab theory is a possibility that they haven't ruled out, they don't really know what Pompeo and Trump are talking about when they say that the weight of the evidence points to one theory over another. Um, So we're not getting that from anyone else, um, particularly in Congress. People who've seen the intel say we have no idea where they're getting that from. Um, And that's on both sides of the aisle. Um, So it's 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 definitely confounding. (laughs) It is, it is really interesting. And, and so it seems like the Democratic lawmakers' desired outcome here is to just uh, get the facts. They're wary of some of the, you know, anti-China rhetoric. Um, but, I mean, it seems like the goal here is to just really dig into the origins of where this came from so that we have a better understanding of, of it. Right. I mean, that's it. That's the bottom line. And they are also, I think, trying to expose what they consider to be the administration's ongoing politicization of intelligence. So this is kind of they're wearing two hats at this point, I mean, especially the Intel Committee saying that, look, is this just another inst- instance of Trump trying to get the answer that he wants rather than the real answer out of out of the Intel apparatus? Or is this something real? Um, so that, of course, is another really important purpose of, of them trying to get straight answers out of the administration, because if if they're going as far as to manipulate intelligence on something this important, then that's probably something that Congress should be aware of. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I appreciate you coming on and speaking uh, with me today about this story. Uh, I think this is hugely important, but you're right. I don't I don't know that it's going to go anywhere um, for now. And I, I really do wish, you know, with 
with their abandoning the CDC guidelines for reopening and, and FEMA having, you know, said that we still have PPE shortages. There just seems to be so many mixed messages. And uh, I appreciate the Democrats for trying to get at the truth. I just don't know how effective it's going to be in this environment. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We are probably never going to get a straight answer as to the origins of this, but you know, hopefully scientists will keep digging into it and we'll at least get an objective answer one way or another. All right. Well, thanks. National Security Correspondent from Politico, MSNBC contributor Natasha Bertrand. Thanks again for speaking with me today. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right, everybody, stick around right after this. We have the good news block and quarantine confessions. So stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by Sunbasket. If you're looking to reduce unnecessary trips out and trying to avoid sold-out grocery stores during these quarantine days and people who won't stay six feet away from me, no matter what, uh, I recommend trying Sunbasket. It's perfect. It's tasty. It's a great solution for the times we're living in. They deliver healthy, delicious meals right to your door. Sunbasket has amazing recipes for all kinds of dietary preferences, including paleo, that's me, gluten-free, they have Mediterranean, vegetarian, and more. And they make it easy and convenient with everything pre-portioned and ready to prep and cook. You can enjoy a dinner full of organic produce and clean ingredients in as little as 15 minutes. And that is my favorite part. Delivered right to my door and in less than 15 minutes, it's all prepped. I don't have to do much. And that's really good because I am not a good cook. And I'm also very busy. So this really helps me manage my time. No matter how much experience you have in the kitchen, you can do this. I swear. I burn jello. And these are easy for me. And they're delicious. Each week, Sunbasket offers a wide range of recipes to choose from. You can order from any recipes across their menu. Skip a week if you need to or double up on your favorite ones. Uh, It's simple and easy. There's no gotcha fees or weirdness. And uh, Sunbasket facilities have the highest level of food and employee safety. Uh, That's very important to us. They're reinforcing strict adherence to their existing standard operating procedures and increasing sanitization frequency in their distribution centers. That's to protect your your family and and you from, you know, from what's going from COVID. So right now, Sunbasket is offering $35 off your order when you go right now to sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans at checkout. That's sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans at checkout and you'll get $35 off your order. Again, that's sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and use promo code Daily Beans. All right, everybody, welcome back. It is time for the very much needed today of all days good news block. And back with me to share the good news and quarantine confessions with you is Jordan Coburn on her birthday. Hello. Uh, What was it? I told you, hooray, hooray, the 8th of May is actually National Outdoor Intercourse Day. Uh, Although Jonathan Colton says it's (laughs) the 1st of May. That's fine. I've been doing I've been celebrating the 8th of May since (laughs) high school. And I think I might be a, a tad older than Colton, although I could be wrong. And it might be regional. Maybe <laughs> National Outdoor Intercourse Day is on the 8th of May in, in the Southwest, uh, whereas maybe in the Northeast it's celebrated on the 1st oh of May. God. I don't I don't know. That's so funny. Um, <laughs> but what is the good news today, Jordan? Yes, we have, we have a lot of good news and we have even more quarantine confessions. So I'm excited for this. Our first good news is coming from Wendy. All right. Wendy says, love you guys. Thanks for all that you do. I have a little good news that's not political. My job is to work with the Veterans Transition Center to help veterans reintegrate into the workforce. We were able to set up a contract with the county to help transport people from a homeless community into motels during the crisis. Last Friday and Sunday, my 
My company paid out-of-work veterans to transport 50-ish homeless people to safe quarters. I'm hoping to keep the program going and keep my veterans working and driving while helping be, while helping homeless while helping the homeless community too. Sorry. Uh, but it's good stuff. That's incredible, Wendy. Awesome. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you for your service. Totally. I know that super strikes a chord with AG for sure as well. Yes. yes. I may or may not have anything to do with the Veterans Affairs and the <laughs> Veterans. Yes. I don't know why I'm talking like an incel right now. Mm, yes, please babysit That's... my tarantula while I go wear my fedora to yes. buy some Bitcoin. That's the voice that you do when things are somewhat, <laughs> you know, muddied. <laughs> Um, yes, I may or may not know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you're okay, right. next up from Colorado Girl. Colorado Girl says, here's my happy news. My daughter was so influenced by Tom Hanks giving away typewriters and making them cool that she now wants one. She's been a total trooper having to go into the office with me two to three times a week during these during this pandemic, so I introduced her to our typewriter at work, and now she types, I love you, mommy, on single sheets and Aww. brings them to me and keeps wanting to write a story every day we are there. It's amazing to see, and oh I call God. it her history lesson. <laughs> Mm. Oh, that is so cute. I thought you were going to say, like, she was so inspired by Tom Hanks giving away typewriters that she decided to start giving away something, you know, to her. for ch- No, she just wanted one. And <laughs> yes. I love that because that is me, 100%. I'd be like, you know what? I'm so inspired by you, Tom Hanks, that you need to give me one of those. Yes, <laughs> I know. And that is so adorable that she types that. I love mommy and brings it to you on individual sheets. That's so freaking cute it's so cute and they also attached an adorable photo of her typing at the typewriter and she's wearing this how old is she she i mean she looks like she can't be more than like eight maybe oh yeah and eight or nine and she like she has this adorable little rainbow tutu and these cute little ugg boots (gasps) and she's typing away at this old as fuck typewriter (laughs) oh my god i know it's adorable oh that's so great and i I, i'm with you i love the vintagey feel i i personally have a i have an obsession with writing with in pencil I love to write in pencil. Uh, mm-hmm. I should actually start writing more letters because just the f- old school feel of it. So I mm-hmm. totally, I know where she's coming from with that. Yeah, it's funny how even like someone as young as her daughter can experience that sentiment of, you know, simpler times, basically. Just this this big old hunky machine that exists to solely do this, this one thing. Um <laughs> And it was, yeah, it's so cute. Thank you for sending that in. Uh, Our next one from Jamie. About a week ago, the daughter of a good friend had a birthday, but because of COVID-19, she was unable to have a party. Instead, she had a drive through birthday where friends and family drove by their house and shouted, happy birthday, and honked their horns to help her celebrate her 11th birthday. Since she loves to sing and regularly performs in local musical productions of Annie, Mary Poppins, etc., my wife and I decided we should sing her a song from one of our favorite musicals. As we approached the house, I linked my phone to the stereo and pulled up a karaoke video of the song we planned to sing. It was so awesome to see a line of cars pulling through the neighborhood and to see the smiling faces of our friend and her daughter enjoying the love and support of the community. When it was our turn, my wife and I sang Under the Sea at the top of our lungs to an 11-year-old girl who had never even heard of the movie called uh, The Little Mermaid. You, So as you can see, there is some good news here, but also a confession from a 43-year-old man that he loves The Little Mermaid. 
As the lone liberal <laughs> in a family of Trumpers, I truly appreciate the work you do to spread the good word. Keep up the good work and thank you. <laughs> Reminds me of the ah. Greg Giraldo bit where he he's driving across he's driving somewhere and all he hears is this one guy say to another guy, two guys loading a truck, Hakuna Matata motherfucker <laughs> and, and he's like, What sort of conversation what sort of what's your favorite Disney song conversation preceded Hakuna Matata motherfucker? <laughs> yeah. It's like, No man, it's under the sea by the little mermaid. <laughs> no, it's Hakuna Matata. No, under the sea, under the sea. It's uh, no Hakuna Matata motherfucker <laughs> Absolutely love under the sea yes. I vote for under the sea yes that's so funny I do too as a redhead I'm partial to that and if you get a chance to listen to Greg Giraldo's midlife vices it is one of the best comedy albums of all time may he rest in peace hell yeah um all right our final good news is from Melissa Melissa says my province British Columbia is starting to open up we can gather in groups of two to six people movie theaters and the film industry are scheduled to open up by this summer provincial parks by sometime in June Hashtag good news day. Okay. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like, okay, here's the thing. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not privy to the situation in other, you know, cities, let alone countries. Um, so to me, I totally can sympathize with what that feels like as a person that's been living alone and isolated and not in a country that's experiencing the highest count of deaths in the world. So... I, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Yeah. If you can trust your leaders yeah. and you feel confident about that and in their leadership, then fuck yes. Yeah. That is good news. That is definitely a high five from from afar. Yes. Yeah, 100%. And two to six people, too. It's like, I wonder when that's going to happen with us. Like, when we're going to start being able, you know, to start recording in person again, for example. I feel like it's really... I mean, it's we're already, like, almost a... Yeah, we're a week into May today. And I feel like June is mm. when we're going to start seeing those kinds of lifts happening, even in, even in California. I think the end of May um, is probably, at least from what I'm reading from scientists and doctors, when you and I will be able to sit in the same room six feet apart right. um, from each other to record the show. Yes. Uh, we each have our own very specific microphones that we don't share with anyone else. And, um, you know, I have a lot of disinfectant and stuff like that. So it's... It's not, I, I think, probably from what I'm hearing, end of May, and that's if things keep going the way they're going, we'll see. I mean, you know, we'll see. Uh, but I 100%, if you're in a situation where that is something that is safe and awesome, then please, uh, I'm jealous and do it. Right, exactly. <laughs> and especially the movie theaters and film industry scheduled to open up by the end of this summer, that's... That's amazing. I wonder what that's going to look like if they're going to have people space mm -hmm. out or if like people have to still wear face masks or something. Regardless of what it is, if you're able to gather in groups of two and six people and like I said, you trust the people that are telling you to do that, then yeah, we're we're here celebrating celebrating with you on that and Yes, yes, woohoo. Ah. Saddest, loneliest birthday ever. Is it time for your favorite segment? <laughs> yes, it is. It is time. For, it is time. This is the best segment, everybody. Uh, let's get to it. It's quarantine confessions. All 
All right, our first confession comes from Lexi. Lexi says, Quarantine has given me the time to learn how to quilt, and I finished my first one. A local sewing shop did a Zoom meeting to help me get started. I've been sewing forever, but was overwhelmed by the idea of a quilt for some reason. I've already finished my second quilt top. Amazing. Post a picture. Tag us. I want to see it. Yeah, I love quilts, but I am I can't quilt. Maybe Maybe one of these days. One of these days. You got time. You got tons of time. You got nothing but time. You can do it. <laughs> uh, next up from Steve in Manhattan. Very important to know the location, everybody. There's a lot of Steves. Uh, <laughs> but there's only one <laughs> Steve, in Manhattan. Steve in Manhattan. <laughs> yeah. Confessional thoughts on quarantine day 56. Uh, all right. Here's the first one. Managed to throw my back out doing nothing. Old injury. Parentheses. So now I smell like Icy Hot and Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> I'm so sorry about mm. your back. I'm sorry I left. That's just so funny. That's a funny image and sensory uh, experience. I hope that everything is going better. Second, from Steve in Manhattan. I must admit I've skipped a few showers, so I've gotten applause a few times when I stepped out of the bathroom clean. Beautiful. Uh, And finally... From whom? uh, I imagine whoever is living with Steve in Manhattan. Perhaps... I was thinking, like, people outside their windows, like how they cheer for healthcare workers. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) At 8 o'clock every night, everyone comes out and bangs their pots and pans to applaud Steve in Manhattan taking a shower. (laughs) Everyone's living so close together. It's it's that dire of a circumstance. Um, (laughs) Steve's final confession. It turns out two people and two cats in 500 square feet can make it work. No casualty so far. She hasn't killed me in my sleep. That's good. Uh, We make turns with a big TV. Oh, we take turns with a big TV. Her Japanese game shows me with British murder mysteries and horror movies. We'll get to the last season of Game of Thrones eventually. Success for Stephen Manhattan. You're in the last season of Game of Thrones. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's the truth, isn't it? Spoiler alert. There's no winner. (laughs) Right. We're all... (laughs) Oh, gosh. Uh, thank you so much, Steve. I actually recognize that handle, I believe, from Twitter very much. Thank you. Uh, interact with us on Twitter, by the way, if you want. I'm at Jordan's Confused on Twitter. AG is at Muller She Wrote. And we also have at Daily Beans Pod. So if you ever want to talk to us, just hit us up on there. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Next, we have some anonymous ones. From Anonymous, today I actually forgot I was naked. Seriously. I was cleaning up the house, reading and chilling. Then my husband came in from his home office in a, in a room separate from the main house. His surprise and amused expression, plus his gaze, definitely not on my face, brought me back to awareness. I totally would have answered the door, had the doorbell rung. Quarantine has messed me up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, that's uh, congratulations on having such like comfort in your own skin that you forget you're naked. I am constantly aware that I am naked if I am naked, and if I have clothes on, I'm constantly aware of how they must look. Yeah, yeah, I feel that as well. I too wish to someday roam naked with no repercussions in my mind or the outside world. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Nah, that'd be fantastic. I don't mind if there's repercussions in the outside world. I would just like to be comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fuck everybody else. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. As long as we're okay with it, everyone else can go fuck themselves. Um, <laughs> from, from Anonymous. Today, I actually... Oh, wait. Uh, I enjoyed a, t- a cocktail during a work meeting. At least it was noon. Beautiful. I feel mm. like that's mm. that's the only way to do work meetings nowadays. Mm. Yeah. It should be allowed in the regular workplace, is what I say. In fact... 
It should. You, we can just call it. I've got a name for it. Liquid Zoom. Ooh, Liquid Zoom. That's what we'll call it. I had a liquid Zoom today. That means you're drinking on Zoom with work. I love that. You know, I I uh, I freelance for a company and. They have like whiskey on hand all the time and it's like an ad company and it is like the best feeling when everyone's in the room and you're like celebrating a success and you're all drinking, you're drinking a little bit of whiskey or you're like about to share ideas and you drink a little bit of whiskey. It's a great lubricant for ideas. It, you know, if that's your Mm. thing, if that's your thing, if it's not your thing, you know, your own brain is enough of a lubricant too, but I'm all for the whole alcohol plus work when you see fit. Uh, next up from Anonymous, we have, my apartment is on the first floor of my building and my kitchen overlooks the stoop and street with an alarming degree of proximity. I've recently gotten to wearing those beauty facial masks that have a material that stays on your face and is printed with an animal face. Today's choice is narwhal. Interesting. That's a very fringe choice. Uh, and looking at- And looking out my kitchen window while wearing the mask. I'm sure my neighbors already thought I was a bit odd. I have some zombie owls in that window, as well as a crescent moon with dangling metal bats, a wind chime, and rainbow crystals. But I'm guessing this just really solidified their opinion of me. Oh well, I find it entertaining. Love the show and everyone's Hmm. confessionals. Hey, Mr. Norwal. Goodbye, Mr. Norwal. (laughs) Goodbye, buddy. (laughs) Is that from Elf? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Good, you got one of my references. I Woo-hoo! know, I know. That's from that's from my time as well. We we finally met it in the is. middle. <laughs> we did. We found a thing. That's so funny. Goodbye, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. All right, we have we have four more, but they're not too long. Next one from anonymous. I wasn't in the mood to do any work today, so I lied about a maintenance emergency to get out of a two-hour-long meeting and spent the time watching <laughs> reruns of Project Runway All Stars on Hulu. Fuck yes, yeah. I love Project Runway. Lie to your workplace. <laughs> That's the biggest message. <laughs> do it. Do it. Drink booze and lie. Do it. <laughs> Drink booze and lie. <laughs> <laughs> drink booze get naked and lie that's all. <laughs> uh all right next up from anonymous i managed to concuss myself while isolated in quarantine oh gosh i should not read i should not watch tv i should not be typing this on my phone it hurts but i am so bored and exhausted and frustrated i am also caught up on all your podcasts so i confess every time i feel even a little better i check my phone for new episodes like a fool holy shit are you okay anonymous that is how did that happen oh my goodness that's wait which part the The checking episodes which the concussed part (laughs) yes yeah (laughs) well i'm glad that you're conceivably doing well enough to look at bright lights on a screen but please take care of yourself we'll always be here you can always look at us yes in hindsight um, please get well soon. Yes. Uh, next up from Anonymous. My husband and I have been working from home full time and trying not to neglect our four-year-old. <laughs> Since I can be more flexible with my work schedule, I often work at night in our bedroom. I have a secret stash of Hershey Kisses for brain fuel. Last night, I fell asleep before I could clean up the evidence <laughs> of my secret stash and left a Hershey Kiss in the bed. It melted and squished out, leaving a brown smear on my side of the bed, which my husband... Ah! <laughs> which- <laughs> 
which my husband noticed as soon as I got up in the morning. Desperate to cover my tracks, I smelled it and told my husband that one of the cats must not have cleaned her butt very well. I quickly removed the sheets before he could take a closer look or sniff. Phew. My cats got some extra treats for being excellent scapegoats. Somewhat related, my four-year-old sometimes tells me my breast smells like chocolate when he marches in on my working. I tell him it's because I haven't brushed my teeth. I hope this doesn't encourage future poor hi- poor oral hygiene. Stay safe, and thank you for helping me stay sane. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> oh, my that God. That is really, really hilarious. That is so funny. That is such great lengths to go to. <laughs> to cover up to cover up a very minor <laughs> offense <laughs> yeah and then but then it looks like you pooped yeah exactly like, what's worse well yeah right getting caught with a hershey's kiss or that yeah yeah it's the brilliant excuse though because because now they're going to be thinking all right they're just blaming themselves shitting the bed on the cat but really it wasn't them shitting themselves either it was a chocolate <laughs> it's brilliant it's too many degrees separated from the actual crime. They'll walk away. Hands clean. Uh, finally, from Allie. Allie says, Allie or Ollie? A-L-I. I'm sorry if that's wrong. Does it say if they identify as a he, him, or she, her? No. Nothing. A-L-I. There we go. From it. <laughs> from a hill line. I know somebody. I know somebody really, really close uh, to me that spells it A-L-I, and it's pronounced Allie. Okay. Well, in that spirit, I will say Allie, for this confession's sake. Uh, From Allie, I sit in the kitchen and tell my kids I'm cooking, but really, I'm just trying to hide from them. Amazing. I (laughs) I was just thinking that today about the dishes. I was doing the dishes, and I was like, wondering, did my mom, because every time, every, I feel like my mom did the dishes all the time, and I can't remember if it's because we never offered to help. That's probably what it was. Or if she just experienced a nice sort of like respite from all of the stress when she was doing the dishes. The dishes and chores and everything, it's a it's it's like a nice and cooking it's a it's a nice, you know, break from everything else. So I'm with you on that one. That's all of our confessions today. Thank you, everybody. You can send them into us at Daily Beans Pod or email them to us. And we love them, and everyone else loves them. And these segments are really gaining steam, so keep them coming. Yes, I do. It's like my favorite part of the day. I look forward to it. All right. Well, thank you um, for all the good news and the quarantine confessions. Do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, let's see. For my birthday, if everybody would consider either, you know, listening to the new podcast at I Disagree or becoming a patron of the new podcast or becoming a patron of Daily Beans or any of our projects or even just sending us a message on Twitter at Daily Beans Pod, at Moloshiro, at the I Disagree Pod, at any of these things, it just brings me immense happiness to feel like more connected to i guess you know that would be great Mm -hmm. why not interact with us have fun with us (laughs) it's a good time (laughs) have fun with yourselves everybody that's my final thoughts it's a good time (laughs) it's a good show that's our network that is our network Mm -hmm. 
Starburns. It's a good show. Yes. All right. Well, everyone, please. Uh, first of all, Jordan, have a wonderful birthday weekend. Uh, I will miss you on the Q and A, but we will. See you back on Sunday for Muller She Wrote and the Daily Beans Monday. And uh, I just hope you have a really, really wonderful birthday weekend. Thank you. I got lots of work to do. I appreciate it. <laughs> You'll be moving. It's going to be so bad. Um, I I think I don't know if we said this on air last time, but like I'm I feel like I really wish I could help you move, man. I sure wish I could help you move, but you know, COVID. You're the best, but guess what? You pay me well enough that I'm able to hire movers. (laughs) And I'm going to be fine. It's all thanks to our patrons. It's all thanks to our patrons. Yes. Yes. Uh, All right. (laughs) Everybody have a wonderful weekend as well, whether it's your birthday or not. And please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>